Kia ora. This program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Kia ora and hello. I've been asked to tell you about No Labels, the radio show for, by, and about people living with disabilities. The show offers interviews and news about the disability sector in Aotearoa, New Zealand. On Wellington's Access Radio 106.1 FM. Find us on Facebook or go to www.accessradio.org.nz. No Labels, our voice for you on Access Radio. Hello and welcome to No Labels. I'm Mike Gawley. On today's show, I'm sizing up how accessible next month's local body election is going to be. First up is David Corner, a self-advocate for learning disabled people like himself. So how would you describe self-advocacy? Self-advocacy is speaking up for yourself, having a say and making choices and decisions that are part of your life. So what's the difference between self-advocacy and someone else advocating on your own behalf? Self-advocacy is actually making decisions for yourself uh, and advocacy is actually advocating on behalf of other people. So, so we, all advocate, we all make decisions for ourselves, but we all need support from other people and that's where advocacy comes in as support. So what kind of support do you receive to do this role, David? I received some funding from Workbridge and I received some help and support from, from my manager and my, te- my work colleagues at IHC. And what kind of issues would you say you've had to deal with over the last year or so? I've had to, had to deal with some of the issues around the, the lockdown, helping communicate with other people to make sure they're okay and filling out forms for the Ministry of Social Development and seeing how things are going and also helping, get, helping a person advocate for themselves around some issues that they had. And what kind of issues arise with communication, David? What are you talking about there? I, I guess it's actually having the clear communication, making sure that everyone understands the things. Like, yeah, make, making sure that, that the information is in a, is, is a way that people can understand. And what so, for you... example, put in an easy read or, or pictorial versions, it really helps people to understand. And what do you think were the issues that people found uh, that were not being informed correctly? What sort of things happened? Well, pe- people weren't aware of all the of all the thing, all the effects like it happened to people. Like, for example, when we were in lockdown, some of the people weren't aware that they could actually go go to the shops and do other things as well. You know, with wear masks and things. But for lots of people, when when someone mentioned. Lockdown, it almost felt as though they were locked down. So lots of people that I talked to almost felt as though they had lost their independence and had other things done for them rather than doing things for themselves. And what importance do you put on being able to do things for yourself, David? What is the thing about that that's so good? Well, it's really important. We can all do things for ourselves with help and support and we're just, you know, able to know that, you know. We can all do things, you know, we... We are not little kids and things, you know. We're we're people with intellectual disabilities, and we may need a bit of help, more help and support. But we've got it's really important to be able to do, do things for ourselves. What do you, you know? I mean, if we can't make decisions for ourselves, well, where would we be? I guess yes. What do you think about the description mental age of such and such? You know, 
well, how does that you how does that feel? How does that sort of communicate ideas about people with intellectual or learning disabilities? Uh, well, uh, you know, I, I think it's actually wrong because you know, I mean, I look at you know some, some older people who may have had a stroke or something, you know, like that, and you know, and you look at their mental age. I mean, you know, it's almost just a term that someone has defined for us. You know, we we may be defined as a mental age, just the same as you know, some years ago people would say that people, some people who die earlier and things. It's almost just something that's been made for us. So you know, we we may have a disability and. We may be limited in some areas, but but in lots of other areas we're not. How does this affect you and your growing up, David? What kind uh, of- uh, but it hasn't really affected me so much over the years. I've been lucky to have the help and support to be able to do things, but for lots of other people, they haven't had the same help and support from other people as I have had. How did you become a self-advocate in the first place? By speaking up for myself and talking to other people and people were saying that I'm my own man and it's okay to speak up and things. And by, you know, by doing my schooling and with my family helping me get into the OHC and the OHC helping support me, I've been able to do, do what I've been doing, you know, and work in the area of self-advocacy. It's just been a natural process. Okay, David, well, let's get on to an area that I think you're pretty interested in, which is the local authority elections come out next month. What, yep. what kind of issues do you want to have resolved to ma- enable you and other people to participate fully in those elections? I would like to see some uh, some information and an easy read, read, read that, that, that I can understand other people about the candidates and their policies and things. Because I'm aware throughout the whole country there's di- different means of voting. Like, For example, some areas there's postal voting, some areas there's online voting. And things here. Yeah. I'd like to see a consistency through the thing. So, at least with the general election, you actually get to see the information about the people and things. So, how does the general election compare with the local body election then? Well, the general election is all, all, all done, 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 done in one means. For example, people go to the polling booth and have their vote and things, but, but with the local election, it's all, almost confusing. You know, for some, some areas, you've got to send in the forms. Other areas, you can do it online. It's, it's not consistent. There isn't one, one, one way of doing it. Each council does things their own way. So it's a bit like postal code lottery, isn't it, in terms of elections? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a bit, bit, almost a bit like the Orbits. Are they going to win this week or next week? You know, you never know what's happening, I guess. And what about information about candidates so you can make your informed choice about who you want to support? Yeah, I, th- I, think, I think it would be really good if there was information in a, in a way that people could understand. I, I did see the other week looking on the web that Thomas Bryant, I think, was standing for the regional council in regards to the transport, but, you know, I haven't really seen other information about it. But I, I know that each year there's a, you get a little bit about the candidates put in the in your envelope when you receive the voting papers, but it would be great if it was done an easy read in a way that people could understand, so to give people a chance to vote, vote for them. What do you think is going to be happening this election then as far as make, making information accessible and, and easy to process? How do you well, feel about I, it? I, I don't think anything will happen. You know, 
uh, well, we're just the same as after elections because, you know, no, I don't know whether the government or whatever or the, the local election authority has actually said to people to put in an easy read format. You might be pleased to know that in Wellington they're doing exactly that. Yeah, okay. I'm I'm not aware of what's been done on any regions. All all I know is that there's a local body elections. Whereabouts are you going to be voting this year then? Ah, uh, well, I'll be voting. In, well, I'll, I'll probably be doing my postal voting because I'm in the Wellington region. Is this where you so, do your Is this where you do your job then, David? Yeah, yeah. So I'm ba- I'm based at IHC National Office, but I also live in the Wellington region. I live in Tower. So each each in the past few local body elections, you you get you get the papers and you put your text for who you want to vote in, and then you put it in the post and send it off. I think one of the other things that you mentioned in the past to me was that one of the other complicated things is that people don't necessarily have a brand that's easily identifiable as they used to. Yes, yes, that's correct. Yes, yes you, ne- you never know what party it's voting for. At least, at least with the with the general election, you have someone who's a Labour MP or the National MP or whatever political party. But but with with the uh, local body elections, you, you never know who's representing who unless you see the billboards. So beyond the brand, what sort of information would be critical for you? In terms of candidates, I mean, who who would you be looking for, and what policies would you be looking for? Uh, I'd like to see policies around accessible transport, around accessible housing, education, and things, uh, and the rates and things like that. Because yeah, each, each year, you know, the the councils when they get a more promise to do all this and promise to do all that, but you know, when it comes to doing things, they, they don't often do it, or, or we don't see them do it if they have. You know, because I'm well aware in Wellington we've got problems with the water pipes and things, and yet they're telling us that over the summer there might be water restrictions. It would be helpful with all the rain if they could have saved water for another day. Exactly, Dave. Well, thanks so much for your time. Yep, no worries. I'm always happy to talk to you, Mike. Well, thanks, David. Bye for now. Yep, bye. That's our advocate, David Corner.
and you and me. No matter how they toss the dice, it had to be. The only one for me is you and you for me. So happy together. We and you and you and me. No matter how they toss the dice, it had to be. The only one for me is you, and you for me. So happy together, so happy together. And how is the weather? So happy together. We're happy Sam Rossiter stead's Wellington City Council's Head of Communications and Engagement. He says he's been working daily to make this election disability friendly. What kind yeah. of things are the local authority is the local authority doing in respect of making sure that the election is accessible? Well, it's a real big focus for us. Um, you know, democracy requires um, to have as many people having a say as possible. So, yeah, we're doing a uh, a, a huge amount there in terms of people with low vision, um, people um, who have difficulty uh, hearing or even no hearing at all. Um, and there's a whole range of initiatives that we're uh, uh, that we're putting together. So um, I'll give you an example: that the candidate uh, briefing um, notes that each um, that each candidate produces, their candidate profiles. Um, they are all being um, translated to sign language, which is excellent. Um, we've got um, large print format versions um, of everything. We have easy read Word and PDF versions of our guide, um, audio files of the candidate statements, Braille files, and even Braille booklets are available in our libraries and Blind Low Vision NZ. So huge amount of work we're doing and as I say it's an area that's really a key focus for us um, we've consulted our accessibility advisor the accessibility advisory group and the Ministry of Social Development who've been fantastic with their accessibility service so uh, this is the, the, by far the biggest emphasis we've ever placed on uh, just making sure that the election's accessible to as many people as possible and have you had anybody say, look, there's things that you haven't thought of, or is it all pretty much, in your view, <coughs> taken care of? Well, you could always do, you could always do more. <clears throat> um, I mean, the, the, by the very nature, a lot of the uh, people that we're dealing with here are members of hard-to-reach groups. Um, but, um, but I mean, I, I believe that we're doing more than any other council in the country. There's 78 local authorities, um, and I think with the Possibly with the exception of Auckland that have a, a slightly larger budget than us, um, there would be nobody else that would, would come near to, to the, the amount of work we're doing. And in three years' time, of course, we will review it and see what new initiatives we can include.
Why do you think it is that Wellington is so far ahead of the rest of the pack? <clears throat> oh, I think we've just we, we, we've learnt from uh, years gone by. We, we, we've um, and every year, obviously, every three years, you try and improve on what you've done before. But um, it, it, accessibility is, is a really key issue for us. Wellington, as you know, is a very diverse community, um, and um, trying to trying to reach uh, as many voters and potential voters as possible is a priority. Uh, of course, we do have an advantage that, that being a large territorial authority, you know, we do have more resources than, than, than um, smaller, particularly rural provincial councils. Um, but you know, we're certainly trying to be a, a leader in this area. Um, and the great thing about local government is that we share all our information so that everything we do is what you might term open source. So um, so we, we, we we're sharing our learnings uh, with the rest of the country, and, and some of those are being taken on board this triennium, and some of them, I'm sure, will be uh, learnt from and acted upon in three years' time. And I know Wellington is one of the local authorities, but how does it impact on the region as a whole, what you're doing? <clears throat> well, obviously we have uh, an elections um, a group which we where we um, exchange ideas with the other councils in the region um so yes it will it will obviously impact uh, but specifically for wellington the more the more people that vote and from more um different and, and disparate groups uh, across the city um better representation hopefully we get um it would be it would be good to see some more candidates um, coming um, forward in, in the next time round who have their own accessibility issues because um, obviously that would give us a, a better representation and have a voice round the council table which, which I think would be important. Some areas um, uh, are fortunate that they are represented. Um, I personally supported a candidate about six years ago um, who was uh, in a different area um, who, uh, who had um, 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 some um, disability, and and I was able to help support him through his campaign. I think it's just a, it, it's really important that that their voice is heard, um, and that we actually put more of a focus on everything that we do in terms of how we can support uh, people with with accessibility issues. What relationship do you have in terms of the Wellington local authorities and the electoral commission itself? I mean, you actually dialoguing quite a lot with them. Yeah, we work very closely with the Electoral Commission, and I would uh, I would say there wouldn't be a, a day goes past um, 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 in the last uh, couple of months where somebody from our organisation hasn't um, been in dialogue with them, either through email or in meetings. So, um, yeah, we work very, very closely with them. Um, what we don't have across the country is a sort of standard... Uh, practice uh, for this kind of work we do with most other aspects of the uh, of the election process, but but we certainly don't in terms of making our information services and facilities accessible. So um, it would be good to it would be good to see in the future um, a sort of minimum standard introduced by the electoral commission, which everybody running a, a, a local authority election will have to follow. Now, of course, you don't have the complication of the DHB elections at the same time, do you? So um, what voting systems are in play across the region? What, what, sorry? 
what voting systems are in play across the region? Well, of course, we, um, we, we operate on an STV process, so single transferable vote, um, which is a, a, a minority system around the, around the country. Most, um, uh, most local government elections are first past the post. In our case, um, obviously, um, the, the first round of votes, um, you'll, you'll have um, somebody who has the least amount. Their, their votes are then transferred, so their second, third, fourth choices, etc., are then transferred. Um, and, and there's a, obviously then a recount, and again, the bottom one gets, gets uh, um, excluded, and this carries on until there's just two left. What we have found in... Um, Certainly, if you think about the last 12 years, um, our current mayor, the incumbent Andy Foster, he wasn't uh, first past the post on the initial round of voting. But by the time it got down to the last two, which was him and the then incumbent Justin Lester, um, there was um, um, then uh, Andy with all those second, third, fourth choices, etc., um, overtook Justin and became the mayor. Similarly, in 2010, if you cast your mind back, uh, the incumbent Kerry Prendergast, who'd been the mayor for nine years, three terms, um, she lost her mayoralty to Celia Wade Brown on exactly the same basis, whereby Kerry was actually first past the post. But once all those other votes had been transferred, divvied up, if you like, between Celia and Kerry, then Celia came through. Now, I was just talking to before you to a self-advocate for people with learning disability. I was just wondering what is being done to help people understand the system and what they need to do. Um, in terms of uh, understanding the, the election system... Yes. Yeah, well... Um, there are, obviously, there is a huge amount of information um, out there, um, and and through all sorts of different channels. You know, it, it's it's through our own channels that we control, such as our website, other digital channels. We have a dedicated news channel, which I'm sure you're familiar with, um, as well as our, um, our various social media platforms. Um, but we've also um, had an extensive advertising campaign uh, across. A range of media from large print uh, to radio, digital billboards, um, bill stickers uh, around town. Um, so that's been very, very prominent. And, and also um, a lot of digital advertising in terms of things like Google searches, um, the major media platforms, websites such as the Herald and stuff. Um, so we, we've spent far more on... Um, on getting the information out there this time round than ever before. But, but as I say, it's a real priority for us. Thanks so much, Sam. That's really, really great. No, that's great. Thank you. And uh, keep up the good work, Mike. Lovely to talk to you, and hopefully we'll, uh, our paths will cross again in the future. I'm sure they will, Sam. Thank you. Take care now. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. bye. That's Sam Rossiter Stead, Wellington Council's Head of Communications and Engagement, wrapping up this edition of No Labels. And a big shout-out to the Council's Social and Recreation Fund for helping to bring no labels to air. Until next time, I'm Mike Gorey, looking forward to your company then. Ka kite anō.
That program was brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks New Zealand On Air for funding accessmedia.nz.